This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And people today who make a move toward the Lord and then see the cost, and then draw back from the Lord. They have no idea the cliff's behind them, and they're about to fall into hell. All they know is, oh, this Jesus stuff, that's not for me. Till finally it's too late, and they die in their sins, and they're they're shocked to find themselves falling into hell. Now, the Lord Jesus, as we said, he's like the hound of heaven. He's not gonna sit back. He's not gonna sit back and see this woman draw back. So he swings around, and he's on the hunt. He's on the hunt for this woman, because he sees that she's gonna be lost in a state of drawing back. Matthew 5.31, Matthew 5.31, who touched me and he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. He speaks, and the hunt for her also is explained in another parallel passage, Luke 8.45, Luke 8.45. Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged there and impressed thee, and, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me. I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And the woman saw that she was not hid. She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. So this passage is very important, Luke 8, 47. Luke 8, 47, because it says, when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed. So when she did that, the Lord is very happy, very happy because he had saved her from from the danger of drawing back over the cliff into hell. Now the woman thought, before this, the woman thought her greatest problem in life was this issue of blood. That was, she thought that was the biggest thing. She thought her the greatest blessing that she could get in life was to be healed from this blood. But the Lord saw things differently. The Lord saw that her greatest problem was that she was drawing back into perdition. The Lord saw that the greatest blessing that she could receive 
was to have her confess him so that he could confess her as a daughter to the Father and to the angels. So what it says here in Luke 8, 47, very important words when it says she declared unto him before all the people, before all the people, she declared before all the people what her problem was that drove her to the Lord and how she touched the Lord and, the, and how the Lord instantly healed her. And that public declaration was her story. It was her story. That public declaration was her testimony. And that public declaration of her story saved her because that public declaration of how she put her faith in the Lord Jesus assured that the Lord was going to do what he promised he would do in Matthew 10.32, Matthew 10.32, when the Lord said, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, that's what she did, him will I confess also before the Father, my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. That's why it's so important for a person to make a public declaration of how they put their faith in the Lord Jesus. That's why Billy Graham ended each one of his stadium sermons. You know what I'm talking about? You've heard him. With an encouragement. Every person who has trusted Christ in this crusade, he said, please, you have to get up out of your stadium seat. You have to walk down the aisles. You have to come onto the field. You have to walk across the field. You gotta get up, stand up for Jesus, be seen. Be seen by your family, be seen by your friends who come to the stadium. Get up and walk and be on display and then bow your heads as I'm gonna have a prayer with you, as he said. And he always explained why he did that. Billy Graham always explained. He said, I'm asking you to do that, he would say, because everyone in the Bible who put their faith in the Lord trust made a public declaration. And this is your chance to get up in this stadium, walk down that aisle, cross that field, and that's the reason it was so important for this woman to make her public declaration in front of all those people, and that's why those words before men was so important, because the Lord wanted her to be saved, and the way of salvation is Romans 10 and 9. Romans 10 and 9, a favorite verse of mine. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Not be ashamed. Like the hymn says, Jesus and shall it ever be. Jesus and shall it ever be. A mortal man ashamed of thee. Ashamed of thee whom angels praise, whose glories shine through endless days. This woman wasn't ashamed. She was afraid, but she wasn't ashamed. In Mark 5.33, the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. She was afraid, but she wasn't ashamed. She was trembling, but she wasn't ashamed as she made her public declaration of what the Lord did for her. Now the Lord saw her there, fallen down before him. He saw her shaking like a leaf, terrified, petrified, fearful, and the Lord spoke very kindly to her in verse 22. The Lord turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. So he calls her daughter. Well, he was never married. He didn't have any physical daughters, but he calls her daughter. A daughter is very special to a father. All right? What do I know? I raised three sons, but anyway. 
<laughs> but I imagine that a daughter is very special to a father. <laughs> if you want to know, ask Clint. He's got a whole slew of them. Anyway, a daughter is not like a son for a father because a daughter is more delicate. A daughter is more vulnerable, more than a son. You know, my sons were raised on a, a ranch with 300 goats. You know, my sons were like, you know, get up in the morning, go feed the goats, go clean up the cages the pens, and and water them and do everything else, and then we'll sit down and eat meat. Anyway, but uh, (laughs) more than a son, and I always wondered to myself, what would have been like if I had a daughter on that ranch? I think she would have been crushed. But anyway, my poor wife, she went to an early grave because of that. Four boys. Anyway, more than a son, a father protects his, his daughter. More than a son, a father shelters his daughter. More than a son, a father defends his daughter. And when a father has a daughter, he becomes the protecting, sheltering, defending father. That's what he does. He has got a daughter. So when the Lord calls her daughter, he's meaning this. He's meaning he would protect her. He would shelter her. He would defend her as a father does his daughter. So the Lord calls her daughter, very tender. And in response to this great fear, he goes on and says, be of good comfort in verse 22. In other words, don't be afraid. Instead, be comforted, have assurance, have a blessed assurance, an assurance that I have just assumed your role as your, as your father, as you, you're my daughter. So here was this woman before the Lord. She's trembling in fear. It's been a whirlwind of events, and after 12 years of suffering, she's finally been healed from her disease, and she's wondering, what just happened to me? What happened? What happened, she's saying. Was it the method of me reaching my hand to touch his clothes? Was it my hand that touched the clothes that healed me? What happened? Was it the garment? Does the garment have some special healing powers? If I touched his sandals, maybe I wouldn't have been healed. It had to be the garment. What happened? Was it the, maybe it was the hem? I just happened to have the, the maybe the hem's got all the power in it, and I just have my hand just happened to slip and touch the hem. So the woman in her trembling state, she just wants to know. What healed her? And the Lord tells her that it's none of those things. It was none of those things. The Lord explained in verse 22, thy faith hath made thee whole. The Lord might as well have told her, so woman, don't get one of my old garments and cut up all the hem and then start a street corner sale. Say, here it is. It's part of the hem of the garment of Jesus. It's got power, power to heal you. Just touch it. All right, here's it's a cheap price today for you because it has nothing to do with the hem of his garment. It was her faith that healed her. Just like the Lord would say, don't make those crucifixes and sell them to rub your hands on them and to hang them from your car mirrors and think that it has special powers to heal you because it has nothing to do with those crucifixes. It's your faith that heals. The Lord would say, and don't make those prayer beads, those prayer beads and sell them and rub them with your fingers and think that they have some such special powers. They don't. There's nothing in those prayer abuse. It's your faith that heals you. Or don't think because you attended a mass or a church and took the wafer and the wine that constitutes special powers in there. It has nothing to do with all that. It's your faith that healed it. Or like me, when I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and I was offered a special anointed prayer shawl from Israel, have you know, and I was told that if I wore that at night, I would be healed from my cancer. It has nothing to do with prayer shawls. And there's a lot of superstition in those crucifixes and prayer beads and mass and prayer shawls 
And there's a lot of superstition with the hem of the Lord's garment. And she was healed because of her faith in the Lord. And there are many souls today, but there are many souls today, who cling to a crucifix, and yet they have faith in the Lord, and the Lord honors them in spite of the crucifix, as he did with this woman, in spite of the hem of the garment scenario. And there are many devout souls today who kneel at a mass in an incense-filled cathedral, and they see through it all to the Lord, and they have faith in the Lord, and the Lord honors them in spite of the mass and the cathedral, as the Lord did with this woman, in spite of this hem of the garment issue. So he says in verse 22, twice he says, made whole, verse 22, 22. Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole, and the woman was made whole from that hour. Twice in the passages there, he used the word made whole. So by her faith, she was made whole, but in several ways. First, it was her faith that drove her to come to the Lord in the first place and reach out her hand. Second, it was her faith that drove her to make this public confession, which she did, and that made her whole. But more importantly, she was made whole from the desire that she originally had, which was to steal a blessing. She was out there to steal a blessing and have nothing to do with the Lord. Come up from behind, grab the blessing. And when that woman came up from behind, she really wanted nothing to do with the Lord himself. She just wanted to be healed from her disease. She would have been very happy if the Lord never addressed her, and that's why she was trembling, because that was her worst nightmare, was that she'd have to come face to face with the Lord Jesus. And that's why the words are very important in verse 20. Verse 20, behold, a woman which was diseased with the issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garden. She came behind the Lord because she didn't want to look at his face. Certainly didn't want him to look at her. She didn't want a confrontation with the Lord. She just wanted to be healed with her disease, that's all. And there are many today who are just like that. They're just like that woman. They wanna to come to the Lord from behind the Lord. They wanna steal a blessing. They don't want a confrontation with the Lord. They, they don't wanna love the Lord, no. They just wanna love what the Lord can do for them. They come wanting their disease to be healed. They come wanting their addiction to be healed. They come wanting their marriage to be healed or their relationship to be healed. They come wanting their child to be healed. They come wanting their finances to be healed. They come wanting to be delivered from hell. That's all. And just like that woman, they come from behind. They want this healing and this deliverance. But just like that woman, they also want to shrink away, shrink back into the crowd and never have to see the Lord and for him never to see them. But just as the Lord did not let that woman shrink away, the hound of heaven went after her and brought her along. What he did is he started her off on the journey that she needed to go to. And people today who come to the Lord because they have this need, but that's all they want, they don't want to be on a journey. Where does that journey lead to? It leads to, it leads to the Shema. It leads to Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord with all thine heart with all thy soul, with all thy might. They don't want that. Love the Lord with all the heart, the soul, the might. No, just that woman. That woman, the Lord calls her out. The Lord calls them out to make a public confession. Walk down that aisle of that church. Answer those co-workers who are asking, are you a follower of Jesus? Be seen going to church. The Lord does that. 
because they need to start on a journey. They need to start on a journey that leads to 1 Peter 2.7, 1 Peter 2.7, and unto you therefore which believe he's precious. They need to start on the journey that leads to Jesus being precious. 1 Peter 1.8, 1 Peter 1.8, who having not seen, you love, in whom though now you see him not, you believe, you rejoice with joy unspeakable. They need to start on a journey that leads to loving Jesus. But for them who first come to the Lord, they come first for a need. He's not precious, they don't love him, but the journey's gonna lead there. The journey's gonna lead there. The journey is going to lead to Romans 12, one and two. The, the journey's gonna lead to, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But when they first come to the Lord, they don't want to surrender their lives unconditionally to the Lord, no. But that's where the journey is going to lead. And the journey is going to lead them to leave the world and have their minds remade. When they first come to the Lord, they're saying, I don't want my mind remade, but that's where it's going to lead. And the start of the journey where this woman was, you can't shrink back. You can't shrink back. You gotta come forward. That's the whole purpose of the public declaration because it's not shrinking back. You've committed yourself, others know it. And the Lord knew that this woman had to start on her journey that would lead to an absolute love of the Lord and lead to an unconditional surrender to the Lord. And that's why verse 22 is so important when the Lord swung around to the woman, in essence, he finds a woman and it almost is like he's saying, where do you think you're going? Where are you going? The journey starts here by following me, not stealing the blessing and shrinking away. The journey is a process. It's called the path in Proverbs 4.18. Proverbs 4.18. The path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more onto the perfect day. The path leads to Jesus. The path leads to falling in love with Jesus. The path leads to a life statement that the prophet Samuel said when he was just 12 years old. And he said in 1 Samuel 3.10, 1 Samuel 3.10, speak for thy servant heareth. That's why the Lord in essence said to this woman, wait a minute, you came for the blessing of being healed from the issue of your blood, but there's a greater blessing of having me, having me confess you as my daughter to the Father. And I'm not gonna let you leave that blessing on the table. And I know you really need that, and I'm gonna make sure you get it. Now, this whole thing about touch the hem of the garment or head touch his clothes, she made that up. She made that up. Touch his, touch his clothes, you'll be healed. It was the touch the clothes, be healed routine. She made it up. But the Lord corrected her by telling her, forget about that, it was your faith that healed you. There's no connection between your finger on my clothes and you being healed. It's not your closed hand with your finger that's gonna touch me, it's your open hand asking for my mercy. And it's just like Jacob, just like Jacob, very interesting with Jacob. Jacob was with Laban. Laban, nobody should have an uncle like Laban. If you ever find someone in your family who has an uncle named Laban, run. But Jacob had an uncle named Laban. What can we do? Anyways, Laban told him, well, you know, I know all these goats are, don't have any spots or stripes and goats are cheap, so I'll tell you what, next season, lambing, kidding time, when the babies come out, and if they're striped and spotted, that's yours, you get those, okay? So Jacob comes up with a scheme, just like the lady came up with a scheme. Touch the clothes. Jacob came up with a scheme of rods and stripes in the rods. So he gets these rods, 
a poplar tree. He carves these stripes in them. He waits so the goats and the sheep come to drink the water troughs. And then he knocks himself out, making sure that all these striped rods are right in front of the ewes and the does to make sure that they're all going to get, they're all going to see that. And that's going to cause them to have the stripes and the spots, the babies. Genesis 30, verse 37. It's described better in the Bible. Genesis 30, verse 37. Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of hazel and chestnut tree and peeled white strakes in them and made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had peeled before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink. And they should conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ringstrake, speckled, and spotted. Oh, that's great. Sure enough, it worked, he's thinking. The sheep and the goats have given birth to striped and spotted rods, and, and there are all these rods here. Maybe he would go sell those rods to other people, too. It would be a good business. Looked like his plan worked. Looked pretty good. Even though the females were not spotted and striped, all their offspring came out spotted and striped, and it looked as though, wow, it's all about these striped rods. And just as it looked to the woman that it was all her plan to touch the garment, that's worked. But then the Lord caused Jacob to have a dream. And in this dream, he saw what really happened in Genesis 31.10. Genesis 31.10. It came to pass at that time that the cattle conceived, that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring-straked, speckled, and gristled. <laughs> and the angel of God spake unto me, saying, uh, Jacob, I said, here am I. And he said, lift up thine eyes and see all the rams which leap on the cattle are ring-straked, speckled, and gristled. No, he doesn't say that. So in other words, God said, Jacob, forget about your rods. I've just brought all these spotted billy goats and rams. Yeah, billy goats and rams. That's why you got them there. Nothing to do with your rods. Sorry, because Jacob was in danger of superstition in those rods because the rods, oh, they did it all. And the woman was in danger of superstition over the garment. And the Lord corrected Jacob by showing him that it had nothing to do with his superstitious rods, but God did it by breeding it. Anyway, and in the same way, the Lord corrected this superstition of this woman. He says, it's your faith that healed you. So that was a great day. And that woman left a totally different woman. She came with a disease. She left with a title, daughter. It's precious. And that's true with us. We come with a need, we leave with a title. In John 1.12, as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. It's our new title. And for that woman, that woman could walk away from that day and we could see her saying, behold, what manner of love that I should be called the daughter of God. In the same way, we walk away with 1 John 3.1, 1 John 3.1, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your tender care, your persistent hounding to make sure this woman isn't successful in doing what she wanted to do, which was to disappear. Lord, we thank you for setting her on that journey. We're looking so much forward to seeing you get the rest of part of the story we don't even know. Lord, uh, we pray that you would help us to um, to not shrink back to you, and to uh, continue on the journey, the journey of love to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.